The following episode of An Evening at the Movies is brought to you by the I Did Not Make These Rankings Podcast Network, Masturbators, Crushgasm, An Evening at the Movies, The Sip List, Love is Black, Men are the Prize, Crime Rewind, Literature Reapers, all of your podcast needs can easily be met in one place at www.idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com. And remember, at the end of the day, I did not make these rankings and fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Have a nice day and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to everybody's favorite movie-based podcast. This is An Evening at the Movies. I am your amazing, incredible, intelligent, and a whole bunch of other adjectives host, Casey. This is everybody's favorite movie-based podcast where we eat stale popcorn, drink watered-down sodas, and discuss all of our favorite movies and why we love them. 
And joining me tonight on the show, we have somebody making her debut on an evening at the movies. So let's welcome to the show for the first time ever, Miss Ashley Hoffman from 30, flirty, and not thriving, colon, reimagined. <laughs> Hello. Oh. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. It's about time we got you on the show. Yeah. We talked about it enough. <laughs> it's been a very time long quit time talking coming. about it and let's just freaking do it. <laughs> Oh. I I think you were just hesitant Other, because I, of my movie choice. <laughs> well, okay. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the movie choice kind of sort of threw me off just a <laughs> wee bit because... Just, just a well, okay, so I purposefully am going to say this and it may be a lie. It may be the truth, but more than likely it is all bullshit. But I knew that eventually I was going to get to this point where Kendra was going to request from Justin to Kelly and mm -hmm. Shannon was going to request cool as ice. So I thought, yep. what better way to just push Ashley off until we get to that point and we can do all three of them at the same fucking time. <laughs> because Realistic. That's not what happened. No. <laughs> but I can, I, I am a, Guy, I can freaking backpedal and dig myself out of a freaking hole really freaking quickly. Oh yeah. It does, oh, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean it works, but I can no. do it. <laughs> and it's like the best, most oh. worst movies of the late nineties and early two thousands. <laughs> I we're definitely gonna get into this one because I've got thoughts. Mm -hmm. Some good, some bad on the, this movie. I'm not going to necessarily go and throw it out as, you know, being a one out of five movie. Right. And we'll get to what my, our overall ratings are of the movie when we get to the end of the show. But mm -hmm. I'm, I will spoil my rating by saying I definitely was pleasantly surprised with the movie but i'm not going to be giving it a five out of five i will say that right now <laughs> no i it it it's as terrible as i'm going to say this and as huge of an nsync fan that i am um it is not a five out of five movie it no. never will be so with all with all of that said though just so everybody knows and understands what we're talking about we tonight will be discussing the movie On the Line, starring one fifth of that boy band, <laughs> NSYNC, otherwise known as NSYNC, <laughs> otherwise known as Lance Bass. Yes. So, Sir Lance Bass. Um, really quick, before we get into the whole movie, though, we'll stretch our legs and give you guys a little bit of the basic information about the movie mm -hmm. um on the line debuted in theaters on october 26 2001 so it's almost 22 years old oh, crap 
Yeah. Uh -huh. it, is, it is 10 years younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel like you're not thriving now, doesn't it? Oh, I'm definitely not thriving now. <laughs> uh, let's see. It was directed by a gentleman by the name of Eric Ross. It was released by Miramax Studios. Mm -hmm. Had a sixteen million dollar budget. Oh dear which God! Which I would assume the majority. I would assume the majority of that sixteen million dollars went to probably. Yeah, take a little off me again, audio-wise. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, just if that happens again, just wave at me so I know. Um, what was the last gotcha. thing you remember hearing me say? Um, you were saying that you assumed the $16 million and then it cut out. When, okay, so I assume a lot of that went to Lance and Joey's salary. Because... Mm -hmm. They're probably two of the biggest names from the cast. Um, let's see. After that, uh, we went into it had a four point five million dollar box office, so it lost what twelve million dollars. Yep. And then had a rot Rotten Tomato score of only nineteen percent. And if you do want to watch the movie after you're done listening to us talk about it, you can get it on Amazon Prime, but it's not for free. You're going to have to spend $3.99 to get it, and you're only going to get it for two days. Oh. So, haha. <laughs> -ha. I mean, at the end of the day, I think I spent the same amount and just bought the DVD off of Amazon anyway, so I own the DVD, and I can watch it now whenever the fuck I want to. <laughs> but would you? Not saying that day's coming... <laughs> yeah, would you watch it? Would you watch it again? <laughs> um, possibly. <laughs> yes. Is it going to be one that I'm going to rush out and watch again in the next six months to a year? Probably not. I don't know about that. <laughs> I. Like I said in the intro, it's not a horrible movie per se. I sat through from Justin to Kelly for Kendra. So that was that was bad. That was bad. Well, I mean, okay. From Justin to Kelly is not a great movie. Okay. 
Cool as Ice is not a great movie. I sat through both of those for Kendra and Shannon both. Yeah. I watched On the Line for this episode. And mm -hmm. again, On the Line, I would put in the same category as from Justin to Kelly and Cool as Ice. Not necessarily a great movie. There's aspects of the movie that if you're into certain things that mm -hmm. you can grasp onto and enjoy. Like for purely nostalgia purposes, because you got to remember, okay, like this came out in 2001 um, from Justin to Kelly came out in 2003. Um, Fuck, I think Cool as Ice came out in 91 or 92, I think. So for me, personally, being um, not of the younger persuasion, all three of these movies can have certain aspects of nostalgia for me because, like, Cool as Ice, you know, is a throwback to, like, my teenage years and... Being right. at that age when you have a bunch of white teenagers mm -hmm. going around with starter coats and bib overalls half over your shoulder and all of that and thinking that we were cool and we were all like hard rappers and <laughs> trying to be like vanilla ice and we weren't at no, all no no but then like this movie and um from justin to kelly also complete throwback to like my early 20s yeah and you know i was coming into my own as an adult Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are certain aspects of being at that same-ish age that, like, Lance Bass was at the time, or Kelly mm -hmm. Clarkson and Justin Guarini were in From Justin to Kelly, that you can kind of sort of relate to. And even as bad as aspects of the story slash movie was, yeah, there's still parts of the nostalgia that will grab onto your heartstrings and hold on tight and take you back for an enjoyable ride. So but there is, I'm, I won't, there's still aspects though, where <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, that is just plain hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, no, there is aspects of, and we brought it up in Kendra and I talked about it in the, from Justin to Kelly episode when she was on too. And there's mm -hmm. aspects of, because that's almost a full-on musical movie. And there's aspects yes. of, like, both of them are at, like, this outdoor tiki bar type, crowded tiki bar type place. And they're singing. And Justin's, like, maneuvering his way through a crowd and singing <laughs> about Kelly. And he's got, like, this very creepy stalkerish look on his face. Oh, yeah. Dude, Dude, you're supposed to be freaking hot for this chick, and you're looking like a freaking creepy ass freaking like you're gonna kidnap her and take her away. Right. Not not cool. <laughs> um, 
And I don't know if this is like it seeing on the line now, I see it differently than when I first saw it back in the early 2000s, because back then Lance wasn't out yet as gay. And so, I mean, see, I was going to bring up that topic, too, that we were going to have to discuss on this because. Oh, definitely. Um, not, not to cut you off, but really quick, just so we may as well just lump it all together and get into it, though. But um, right. I think one of the sec the second question I had written down was, is there any aspect of the movie that felt kind of cringy for you? And yeah, like I don't know yeah. if this will fall into that category or not, but. I, I, I will just put yeah. out there that it it definitely not that the whole aspect of him not being out yet and mm -hmm. all of that and what comes along with that is cringy because I fully support you know whatever you however you want to live your life live your life mm -hmm. you want to be out and whatever that's great by all means. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like, even he's admitted, because I did some research and reading interviews where he does talk about the fact that this is that point where he's still struggling with the whole, most of the band didn't even know in 2001, 2000, 2001, mm -hmm. when they were making this movie, that he was in the closet. No, none Which, of them did. Yeah. I would, um, I don't necessarily, I didn't come up with enough information to know which ones knew and who didn't, or if they all didn't know at this point. But yeah. I would like to believe that, because um, not or Joey and Lance in this movie, but you also have to remember very quickly at the end of the movie, there is a cameo by an, that other Britney Spears loving weirdo who did wrong by her justin oh, timberlake justin. yeah <laughs> um and they both portray very flamboyant yeah for lack of a better term characters and for the fact that these guys were so close and spending so much time together i would like to believe that if they had known that Lance was struggling with what he was struggling with at this time. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that those two characters at the end of the movie would have been as flamboyant as they were. Yeah. Or even in there at all. Because right. I think I think they wouldn't have even they, been in the movie. Yeah. Well, because that's the whole point is I would like to believe that both Chris and Justin would have had enough respect for Lance that mm -hmm. they may have been in the movie, but the characters wouldn't have been the same as what they were being, right. you know, for lack of a better <laughs> term. Yeah. For basically pray, playing um, gay men ultimately, because that's, that, the, I think the that's stereotypical what, gay man. Yeah. Um, and he actually, um, he talked about, Lance actually talked about this on his podcast, Frosted Tips, recently, that it was Chris and Joey that had their suspicions that he was gay. But 
of course, Lance being Lance, he denied it, denied it, denied it. And how he came out was he sold his his story to People Magazine before he had told the band, before he had even told his own family. And that's that's ultimately what hurt hurt it kind of hurt the band because like i know chris still to this day because he told he told it on the podcast chris and lance do not speak chris is still mad that lance did not confide and let that let them know before he sold his story i i can see chris's perspective though because right i'd be mad too that that they they spent so much time like i said they spent all, all this time together on the road touring Mm -hmm. rehearsing recording everything for the better part of god i don't even remember when the band got together but by the time they finally started four 94 and then it was shortly after ish that this movie came out when they started 2002 kind of sort of going off yeah 94 to 2002 it was yeah Eight years of probably spending a good 300 plus days a year, if not mm-hmm. more than that, together. So you got to think these guys are very, very close. They and, were basically brothers. Yeah, and I can understand how you would have... Because I went through a situation in 96, I think where mm-hmm. somebody who I had been friends with for a very long time came out, but came out to everybody else in our little circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And I was the last one to find out. And at that time, I felt incredibly offended by it because it's like, we've been friends for how long? And I'm the last person to find out. Again, kind of sort of a situation where I had suspicions, but it's one of those things you, I don't want to just come out and say, Hey, are Mm -hmm. you? And that, well, no, why would you say that? And it's like, well, this, that, well, okay. I, because I like show tunes, I have to be gay. I I can't be a straight man and like show tunes or whatever the stereotype may be. Right. So, But I can, again, at that time, though, when this is when this stuff is going on, it wasn't necessarily as accepted, though, either. So there mm-hmm. is the other side of Chris has a right for feeling the way he feels. Oh, absolutely. But then you also have to realize Lance has a reason for feeling the way he does, too. And I believe he's probably just as justified because especially being a part of a very huge pop band, boy band, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. And you got to remember, they're being, you know, chased after everywhere they go by all of these screaming teenage girls. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were to necessarily come out as being a gay man at that time, <clears throat> is that going to affect your fan base as a whole? And, and that's what they this, fully believed. Yeah. And it, it really I know for a time back in the early 90s, New Kids on the Block went through it because there were suspicions that at least one, if not a couple of those 
guys were potentially gay as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Donnie. Yes. They, they, Donnie, Joey, and Donnie Jenny. was suspected. But obviously, Donnie's married to Jenny McCarthy now, and right. If if there's any flamboyance to Donnie, it's very much a wake up in the morning and flip a coin and. <laughs> How do I want to act not, today? Not trying, not trying to be offensive, but you know, right. for lack of a better term, two letters: B I by. But then, yeah, Joey McIntyre, and then I think the other one was I think Jonathan. I think. I think it was who ultimately it did. Think... Either whatever. I I don't even pretend to think I have any kind of indication as to what was going on in New Kids Land. But uh it was Jonathan, um, yeah. Jonathan Knight. So but I mean that literally if Joey if any any combination of those five had come out as being gay at that time, it could have severely affected their um their fan base as well. But here's the oh, other absolutely. point though too where you have the concern with NSYNC. If Lance had come out as being gay, which obviously he was, but you also have the fact, too, it's not just NSYNC that could be affected by this. I mean, if you upset fans and you lose fans, you got to think, where are those fans going to go? They're going to go to the other side of the equation because there's not just NSYNC. But you have InSync going head to head with another incredibly successful boy band at the time, being the Backstreet Boys. Yep. So you lose those fans. Where are those fans going to go? They're going to flip over to the other side, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you're in a pit of despair, and you're you're not coming back from that. Right, and then there was also ninety-eight degrees and all those other ones oh, that yeah. were popping up. At, at around that time. And psychologically, if that stuff had gone down that way, that probably could not have been an easy thing for him to have dealt with either. So I, if it was me, I probably would have opted to hold on to that as long as I could. But then you have to run by doing that though, you run the risk of somebody seeing something and catching on and putting two and two together. And especially right. with tabloids and all of that starting to pick up steam as much as they were back then. And I think I think that's why he didn't confide in the band either, because one little slip up, even in an interview or just them hanging out, it, it, it could blow the whole lid on everything. Yeah. And what and they're as hungry as the paparazzi are and tabloids are for salacious stories like that mm-hmm. you unfortunately when you if you get wind of something like that potentially breaking you're running you've got to get ahead of it as as the celebrity and you i don't want to do this it's my own private life i should not have to do this it's nobody else's business but mine right but if they come out with this story and if there's pictures, video, whatever, mm-hmm. which unfortunately in this day and age with cell phones and all of that, 
you have zero privacy in Canadian society. So, um, yeah, you almost have to get ahead of it. And is there a way that he could have done this and released everything better? Probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, at that point, he literally could have sat down and called up the other four guys in the band and said, okay, here's what's going on. Here's everything. I'm going to be open and honest with you guys right now. One, two, three. This is me. Yeah. You know, they could have accepted it, whatever, and moved on. And then immediately thereafter, then you go to People Magazine and say, here's my story. Would you like to right. run with it before this tabloid? blows picks it off of it which i can guarantee you a boy band member at that level of in, anybody from instinct or backstreet boys or whatever at that time people magazine was going to buy that story just like that just so that they could be the first person to break the story oh absolutely so but that ultimately at the end of the day though that element of being that was a long tangent for just that one aspect of <laughs> cringy from the movie, but right. but it, um, it, it it's also watching it back then, where he plays this heartthrob trying to get the girl, and then seeing it now as an adult, knowing that he is gay, it 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 turned it turned the movie kind of cringy because then you're focusing more on his acting and like. Oh my God! Him trying to kiss her is so awkward, and it it, it became cringy. Well, yeah, because I watched the movie twice to prepare myself for this episode. Right. I watched, I watched it once, thinking about it from my perspective. Watching it now mm -hmm. as me today, and how I felt about it going through, you know, with today's mindset. And then I tried right. to put myself in that situation of watching it as a person in their early 20s, you right. know, back in 2001. And I definitely had feelings about the movie from the mindset of being somebody in my 20s watching it. Yeah. Because... I tried to think of myself as being, you know, in 2001, obviously at this point, I don't know that Lance is gay mm -hmm. or there's any indication about that. So it is one of the, okay, so I'm just evaluating his performance and how he looks and acts on camera. Mm -hmm. And there's aspects of like most of the time with him kissing her, it definitely looks off. It, right. Something doesn't feel like it's connecting just right. I don't want to say mm -hmm. it's a lack of chemistry because I think there is some chemistry between the two of them, but I oh, just yeah. don't think the chemistry is completely enough. To me, by the end of the movie, when, spoiler alert people, but by the end of the movie when they get together, I yeah. don't feel like this is going to be a they live happily ever after moment. No, not at all. It's like, I can see them dating for a, a couple of years and then something's going to happen and they're going to go their separate ways. Yeah. So, but, and then I watched it from 
my perspective from today's perspective and it's like okay i know what i know and this has been you know 20 something years since it mm-hmm. came out so i can see that's why that could be you know the fact that he is very much a gay man probably isn't i'm not trying to be insulting here but probably doesn't have the best acting chops in the world So yeah, so being um, somebody who's definitely out now, the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, he doesn't necessarily, I don't think he's as great of an actor as he could be to carry a movie as a lead. Absolutely. In my own personal opinion. Not that he's horrible. I think he can get by, but I don't think he's got tremendous box office potential mm-hmm. and i think I th- that's where you see the lost 12 million dollars between the budget and what this movie mm-hmm. made at the box office as well and i think they were actually trying to get justin um because i think he had made um a movie debut prior to that movie and it just because the scheduling and everything it just didn't work and so ultimately if they wanted to make any money, that's why they chose Lance, unfortunately. I mean, I would think personally from what I know of the band, I might, Justin would be the number one first choice. Right. Uh, in absolutely. my opinion. Um, no offense to Chris and JC and Joey. Lance mm-hmm. is probably going to be number two. Yeah. You know, Joey kind of sort of fits into that second tier kind of buddy bandmate character that he plays in this movie. Yeah. I don't, I, I definitely don't think Joey would have fit into the whole leading the movie and being the you know, romantic heartthrob and all of that. Yeah. Him and Chris, I don't see them as lead roles in anything. Uh, It would have came down. I think for me, I would have chosen Justin or JC before I would have picked Lance, but. That's one of those catch 22 situations. Right. It it really is. At the end of the day, it's 20 some odd years later and. We can sit here and we can speculate about, you know, 
it, would this choice have been better or that choice have been better or whatever the case may be. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a horrible movie per se. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not poorly written. No. Probably at the end of the day, my only t- two negative things I can really say about the movie are the fact that I don't feel a hundred percent convinced that Lance was comfortable in this role. Oh no. Mm-mm. And I, for lack of a better term, I just don't think the performances were a hundred percent up to par. No. And I feel like it, the movie kind of felt rushed in a sense like they rushed the production, they rushed they rushed everything to get it done and get it mm-hmm. out there to keep on whatever bandwagon at the time was really popular. Yeah, well, I mean again, Kendra and I talked about this when it came to from Justin to Kelly too because uh uh I believe that came out a year after Kelly won American Idol. Yes. <clears throat> so that was the producers from American Idol mm-hmm. literally trying to piggyback off of her win and try and, you know, keep everything rolling in that. Because that, at the end of the day, you really don't. They didn't know when she won and had her moment, you know, mm-hmm. a moment. Yeah. A moment like this. <laughs> a moment like this. And, you know, what was she going to go on to have the 20 plus year career that she's had? Right. Was Nobody she, knew that at that point. No, like they didn't. They thought, okay, maybe six months success and then, you know, on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Possibly. If there was even going to be a season two. Yeah, because at that point they didn't. Well, I. No, this they came out. Right about the time the season two wrapped, yeah. but it really wasn't feeling like a true. This is going to go on forever, probably until season three or season four. Mm-hmm. So, I'm still pissed but, about season two, <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that I have learned that. There are certain things you do not talk about mm-hmm. unless you are talking to a like-minded person. Yeah. Politics, religion, and American Idol. <laughs> That's just how well, life lot- works. Yeah, there's 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 a couple controversial seasons that um, <laughs> Adam Lambert should have won, um, but we're not going to go into that. <laughs> I can think of a lot of people that did not win on that show that I felt like should have deserved at least to make it further in the show than they did. Mm -hmm. Adam Lambert is one of them. Chris Daughtry is another one. Chris Daughtry, yes. I really feel like he was an amazing performer, but maybe his style wasn't necessarily best fit for that show. No. Because he's more of a rock singer and right, but then ultimately David, at the end of the day David Cook won and he was a rock singer too. 
True. So it's one of, it, it really is hard to <coughs> figure out who is really fit to truly win that show because mm-hmm. depending upon who's watching from season to season, it really can change who gets booked because obviously Kelly won in season one and Ruben won in season two. Those two yeah. are not, there's little similarities between the two, but they're not that similar. No, not and at then, all. Um, what's his face? One in season three and then Carrie Underwood won in season four. Those mm-hmm. two, not very similar at all. No. But again, Carrie Underwood, phenomenal freaking singer. Mm-hmm. And it, in my personal opinion, number two greatest singer of all time on the entire freaking list of winners on that show. Yep. No offense to other people that have won, but to me, it's Kelly at number one, Carrie, Carrie at number two. So season three was Fantasia Barino, who I do not believe oh. should have won that at all. Yeah, no, I thought it was somebody else. Yeah, but no. But I, I can see... Like, I'm, Fantasia, not, Fantasia <laughs> I'm not going Ruben. down the road on Fantasia <laughs> and Ruben. Yes. They're the same, yeah. Very but, similar. But um, I have thoughts and yeah. opinions on Fantasia Barino and I'm not going down that road. Yeah, there. Mm, she should have not won, not at all. Not saying that she's not a great singer. I just, <coughs> I don't think she was the best in that season. Mm-mm. So, my own personal opinion. But I'm trying to see who so, the runner-up that, was because I can't remember. Oh, Diana DeGarmo. I think I remember her, and I think the problem that she had late was she had a couple of, of performances where she didn't quite get to that same level that she had earlier. Yeah. And unfortunately, with those shows, I've learned very quickly. I've seen enough American Idol. I've seen other singing shows mm-hmm. where as you get deeper into the season, you cannot take steps back or take off weeks. You have to keep upping your game each and yep. every week. And that's why when you have people like Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, mm-hmm. and probably the reason why Fantasia won that year, and she I'm just, not saying because her game kept taking getting, steps forward each yeah. and every week, where if you have an off week or you don't bring it at 100%, mm-hmm. the fans are, the fans are going to pick up. Fans are not dumb. By any stretch of the imagination. No. So you've got to come and you've got, got to come hard every time. <coughs> ah, not necessarily appropriate joke, but oh well. Um, and then the other one is season five, uh, Taylor Hicks. Do you think he should have won? Control. Yeah. The runner-up was Catherine McPhee. Also, Kelly Pickler was on that season. Uh, if I remember correctly, Kelly went out like sixth place that season. Yeah. Fifth place or something like that. Um, oh, and that's Chris Dostry season. Honestly. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Um, they, I, I think it should have come down to Chris and Kelly 
and not Taylor and Catherine. I am okay if Catherine makes it in. I think Catherine had more of a idle feel to her mm-hmm. than Taylor did. Then, you know, uh, Taylor did not have a very idle feel to him at all. So No, and he, I think it came out years later that he lied about his age, which everyone knew because he was gray. He had gray hair. Yeah. He definitely had a older than their demographic feel to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. I I have mixed feelings about the age thing because I can see if you're going to try and go after the genre that Idol is geared towards, then Mm -hmm. yeah, you probably need to steer clear of the older performers. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for the greatest singer out of a pool that auditioned, then you have to freaking open the gates and let everybody in. Right. Not saying that my 78-year-old geriatric grandmother deserves <laughs> a spot on American Idol. But, <laughs> you know. Hey, you never know in this day and age. <laughs> Good. But, I mean. Yeah. But you also have to factor in, too, that when you have a group of 16, 17, 18-year-olds, they don't yeah. have the life experiences and aren't, quote-unquote, as seasoned as somebody right. who may be 30, 35, 40 years old. Mm-hmm. So that definitely will give them a leg up when it comes to connecting with a song in a way that somebody without that life experience will you hear it all the time on these yeah. shows that when it comes to the younger performers you know i i think that song was just a little bit too old for you right i heard it on the voice i've heard it on american idol i've heard it you know on whatever <clears throat> and it's like it, those shows really do come down to song selection as a whole you have to know the words and you have to be able to connect with the feeling of the song. Otherwise your performance is going to fall flat. And ultimately that's when you have weeks like people like Daughtry had or Kelly Pickler had, or Diana DeGarmo had that could end up ultimately costing you an American Idol win or a voice win or whatever the case may be. So Wow. Another long tangent. Is yeah, there anything I mean, about getting back getting back on track? Anything yes. about this movie that you absolutely positively fell in love with other than the fact that it's Lance and he's in sync and obviously Ashley is uh, in sync yeah. head. I mean, yeah, um, Lance and Joey and even Chris and, and, and Justin, their cameos at the end. Um, it... I love the storyline of it. Like, 
I think it stems from like everyone's hopeful of that one true love and the whole like notion of like, oh yeah, love at first sight. Is that a real thing? Mm. I don't think so, but it, it's a possibility. Everybody's different. Um, but like that whole, he would go to the ends of the earth to find this woman, like the romantic aspect and, and the storyline of it. That's, that's what I ultimately loved about it. Yeah. I'm, I, I can see exactly where you're coming from. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of go back and forth on the whole love at first sight thing, because it's like, there's aspects of the love at first sight portion mm -hmm. of this story where it's like, the big it's so unrealistic <laughs> well yet yeah, i mean the big stumbling block for him is when he first meets her on the train right and then they go their separate it's not like they just disappear poof they're gone right they kind of sort of know that their time to separate is coming but yet he doesn't ask her for her name he doesn't ask her for her phone number right <coughs> I mean, sir, I know that takes away, for, obviously, from the story. Mm -hmm. And if he asks her for her name and phone number at that point, that's pretty much end of movie right there. Right. But the fact that he's dumb enough to not ask her for her name and her phone number, at least her freaking name. You can take the whole phone number portion of it out of the equation. Right. Play off of that. Fine. But... I can't even chalk this up to a whole, you know, flamboyant thing. It's right. Because even if you prefer same-sex portions of your relationship, uh -huh. you still, when you get ready to separate and go your separate ways, you're still going to ask that person for at least their name. So I've, and maybe it's just because I, I don't know. Um, I've met people. I, I, I know their first name. I at least know that information. But I don't bother asking for their last name. No, well, you know mine. Well, yeah, I know yours. Um, but it, it it's... But at the same time, it's like if you want to connect with that person more that should be a little information that you, you would give someone. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, so, I don't know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weird. And at the end of the day, there's aspects of this movie that are great. And mm -hmm. I really could get behind, you know, the whole idea of, as much as we just talked down about it, but the mystery of them not knowing who each other is and then him going that extra mile to put basically missing person posters up all over freaking Chicago, basically looking for her, describing her in every sense of the word, just not having a name, you know, is kind of sort of a different aspect or a different play on the whole rom-com story and trying to take it to the next level because you can only do 
plain Jane rom-com storyline so many times before you've got to try and reinvent the wheel. Right. In my opinion. And, you know, you can yeah. only do the whole, you walk into a ballroom or a bar and meet your eye across the room and there's a little bit of a hiccup somewhere along the line, but then mm. ultimately you fall in love at the end and you live happily ever. ever. Okay, fine. Whatever. That well, I I mean if you that's look at every Hallmark <laughs> if you look at every Hallmark movie, they're all the same. <laughs> well, they are. And I mean that's the frustrating part about rom coms for me is it all feels very cookie cutter esque to me. Yeah, because you don't find your partner. <laughs> a lot of these ways, you don't actually find your partner those ways at all. No, and I get the whole, for lack of a better term, Cinderella-esque aspects of these stories. But, and that's fine. I'm okay with a few of those for color. But... I also would like to have some realism to my yeah. rom-coms as well. You know, to me, like one of my all-time favorite rom-coms is the Jimmy Fallon, Drew Carey, or Drew Carey, Drew Barrymore <laughs> movie, yep. Fever Pitch, where he's a middle school teacher, I believe, and he's a big-time Boston Red Sox fan. She is uh, some kind of executive, and they do a connection thing, and you know they meet in an unconventional way. But you know, there's still aspects of the relationship that feel. He's a dedicated sports fan; she's not so much. So she's got to learn to accommodate his whatever. But yeah, he also needs to realize that <clears throat> she's giving a lot more to this relationship. He is. He needs to up his game and, you know, figure out a way so that they can all be in the middle and have their happily ever after moment. They have their chicken shit little Cinderella happy ever after moment at the end of the movie, and they all live happily ever after and the New York Yankees choked and the Red Sox came back and won the whole freaking thing and went on to the World Series. Ha ha. Right. Ha ha. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't think personally it's too much to ask for just a little bit of a realistic aspect to my rom-coms. Not right. every time out. It doesn't have to be realistic every time out. Just mm -hmm. once in a while is fine by me. Like, even with um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, love that movie. But it's also not realistic. Like, when I start dating someone, I'm not going to consecutively see them every single day for 10 days straight. Hmm. 10 years ago, you might have. Oh, yeah, 10 years ago. But right now in this day and age, like, I have a job. I have responsibilities. Uh, if we go on a date and, you know, we had a good connection, I'll see you in a week for another one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily all happen in 10 days. No, no. You know, as 
you continue to progress through your 30s, you learn really quickly that, you know, if you're going to have it to have a little guy in 10 days, those 10 days may take you a year, year and a half to freaking get there at some point. Because... And, well, with, <laughs> with my luck lately, I can have priorities faster than 10 days. That's how we all are, and I lost <laughs> girls in a lot less time, too. I've lost but a guy in uh, six hours. <laughs> Damn. We might have to have a textual conversation about this after the show is over. Um, yes. So, so we talked kind of sort of about other elements of rom-com movies. Um this movie kind of sort of fits into that category of movies like She's All That. Um, yep. Other teen rom-com movies. Mm -hmm. um, if you were to hold those other rom-coms on the same level as um, On the Line, do you think On the Line succeeds or fails as holding up to those other movies i would say it does fail holding up to those other movies i kind of sort of feel the same way yeah i think there's aspects of the movie of this movie where it might succeed where others don't right but at the end of the day pure quality wise there's aspects of this movie that it is just completely lacking in. And I hate hate to say it because I don't want people to think that I'm just hating on the person, but a lot of it has to do with Lance's performance in this movie. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think he was the right choice. No. To play... Kevin and I mean I even had thoughts at the beginning of the movie where they're in high school still and they're performing at the con at that dance and mm -hmm. freaking he's singing the spin doctors two princes I'm like you definitely are not the kind of person I would imagine as being the front man of a band, dude. Right. So and I actually the most just part, looked it up. Oh, God. For the most part, Justin was the front man for NSYNC anyway, so Lance wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily having to be out front all the time. Lance did his fair share of being out front, but... Yes. I know as well as you know, generally the one most of the time out front for NSYNC it was Justin. Mm -hmm. so, so they filmed this movie in six weeks. That's very rushed. Exactly. Even for a simple, even for a simplistically put together movie. It was six weeks is very, very rushed. Yeah, it started 
mid-March of 2001 and wrapped up at the end of April in 2001 with a release of October of 2001. So, see, there that right there tells me that there is already... Here's the main ways then that movie fails. It was rushed. Yep. Which means being rushed, then I would assume casting was probably done in, in a rushed manner as well. Absolutely, um, yeah. The movie was... Obviously, the movie was shot in six weeks, so you're not necessarily getting the best takes. Nope. From each of these scenes that you're trying to put together. Mm-hmm. So now you're looking at, would you say the end of April that it wrapped? Yes. And this movie came out in October, end of October, 2001. Yeah. So you've got May, June, July, September, five months. Yeah. To do post-production, which is putting in and making sure everything blends Seamlessly together. Soundtrack. Soundtrack, all of that. And then you've got to have it to the studio, ready to release, ready for your stars to go out and promote. Yep. So literally five months to do all the posts and promotion. The studio with their... Shitty freaking schedule and all of that really did not do this movie any favors at all. I no. I think if it had been given more time mm-hmm. and they weren't so rushed, things might you may have even gotten a better performance out of Lance if if there been, was if it was more time. Yeah. If he what if everything wasn't so rushed. Right. And if you had a direct and I'm not trying to put the director down by any stretch of the imagination either, but when it comes to getting a quality performance out of an actor, you it takes a special kind of director to do that. And mm-hmm. I don't think this director necessarily might have been the right fit to get that performance out of Lance. Other directors, I think, probably could have gotten better out of Lance. But at the end of the day, they went with who they went with. And... Mm-hmm. They right. rushed things through the way they rushed things through, and it ultimately, at the end of the day, ended up costing them eleven and a half million dollars in lost mm-hmm. money. So, which sucks, I, I wanted to touch on that. I, I wanted to touch on that little for the money. I so you you think that the majority of the budget went towards Lance and Joey's thing, but, uh, possibly, but it may not yeah. have either. So I. Knowing a little bit of information, and this this is all based on speculation um, because of who their manager was at the time, Lou Perlman. Uh, are you familiar with Lou's history? Yeah. No, okay. Lou is not very savory at all by any stretch. No. Um, so back then, um, Lou took probably 90% of whatever was paid towards NSYNC. Lance's first paycheck after a year of touring and everything when NSYNC first started was $1,000. 
he only received a thousand dollars for merch touring recording cd sales everything so i think because of that time frame i think a lot of that money ended up going back into lose um pocket because of oh probably the contract the contract that they had at the time did did he, he well, they get paid absolutely i think it took getting rid of lou perlman though to finally start to see some of that profit that they should have been making from day one though too yeah oh yeah absolutely but you also have to remember too i think there is the tlc aspect of this too where um before she died uh lisa left eye lopez broke down record sales for a band and yeah. i don't know beat by beat exactly what it was but you know a band only makes a certain percentage off of an album yeah so they, if they sell an album for at the time some of these cds were going for let's say 15 dollars. right the band's probably only getting two dollars off of that yeah i would say 253 dollars and then the rest goes towards oh. um paying for management and you know the, the post-production all the people that worked on the album and by the time you factor in the fact okay even for like tlc you've got three of them dividing up that two or three dollars amongst themselves right now you they have to factor in their attorney's fees and all of that that doesn't necessarily come out of the record so at the end of the day when you break down everything that comes out of their percentage of what they got off of each record yeah yeah that's exactly how a band that can sell millions and millions of records can be dirt freaking broke at the end of the day oh yeah absolutely and that's not and that's not even factoring in having management like lou perlman who are crooked as fuck right and stealing money from you so because like i know the the touring aspect of it and i could easily break that down for you um and so nsync at the time was probably getting at least anywhere from 20 to thirty thousand dollars you know given that time frame it could have been more um and at the end of the day yeah after all the fees between management all their touring crew yeah they themselves probably only walked away with five to eight thousand a night but that's a night and if yeah. you factor in you know how many shows that they were doing in each tour yeah they he should have never just gotten a thousand dollars after a year of well, no, I mean, touring and everything else the other thing people need to remember too though is bands like nsync backstreet boys whatever these are bands that were when they went out on tour they went on tour around the freaking world yep there are people celebrities and you know musicians when they go out on tour they're just staying inside the continental united States. they don't even go mexico and canada right they're strictly u.s only you and sometimes it's even continental u.s only they're, you don't even factor in hawaii and alaska yeah no yeah yeah so, so you know 
you figure when you go out on world tour like bands like Instinct did or Backstreet Boys or Garth Brooks or <laughs> Taylor Swift. Ah! <laughs> you had to get but that dig in there. <laughs> I did have to get that dig in there only because you know where she was last weekend. Yeah, she was in Seattle, and why didn't you go? Um, because it, I've seen TikToks from other places that she's played the, in the last few months, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think Seattle is a, as bad, but good. God. Okay, so she played at the stadium where the Seahawks play, our football team. Yes. Literally right across the street is the stadium where our baseball team, the Seattle Mariners, play. Okay. There, there is literally one street in between the two stadiums. Oh, God. There were people that were leaving. Unfortunately, it was not planned very well. The Mariners played at the same time that she played two nights at oh. the stadium across the street. Oh, no. So there was a lot of people that did not want to spend $1,200 to sit in the nosebleed sections. Yeah. That just wanted to be at the concert, so they hung out outside the stadium and listened to the music right. coming over the top of the roof. I have no problem with that. But you had people after the baseball game was over trying to get out of T-Mobile Park they could not get out of T-Mobile Park because the damn downtown area of Seattle was so freaking full of people. Oh, my God. I get it. There's both sides of the equation. Yes, I'm happy for her and her fans that they could have that moment. But at the same time, it's like people need to stop and consider things like this when they plan. Yeah. Big events like this. You should yeah. never have a baseball game and a Taylor Swift concert literally 100 yards away night. from each other at the <laughs> same the time. Same. Yeah. You should have made – you could have – her management and the city could have planned that better to where we were on – we're on the road this week. She could have put it off and come to town this weekend and been fine because right. we're on the road this weekend and we don't come home until Monday. Right. That have been fine, but no, let's put them both in town at the same freaking time, <laughs> literally a hundred yards apart from each other. <laughs> to literally ruin everybody's <laughs> night. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I will say this though: the beauty part about downtown Seattle, where those stadiums are set up, though, mm-hmm. there is so it's very much set up for like tailgating and outdoor adult establishments, bars, yeah, where you have like outdoor seating where, you know, if you were fortunate enough to be there early enough, you could have sat outdoors literally probably across the alleyway from the stadium and listened to Taylor Swift all night and had cold beverages brought to you all night long. Yeah. Nice. It's been fine. I mean, you wouldn't have been necessarily in the crowd up at the gates, but right at that point, you're not getting you're not getting into the stadium. So why do you need to be that close? 
if you can hear what's coming over the top of the roof, you're in that environment. You can hear it. That's all you need. I just, I know she will never come to my, my city, um, Buffalo, because I mean, our stadium, like the only place she could play is the Buffalo Bill stadium. And it's not, it is not anywhere near the size of any other football team ever. And the sad part is they're investing in a new stadium right across the street. That's even smaller than the stadium we currently have. (laughs) Which makes zero sense to me because I've, I'm a big enough football fan to know that especially now that the Buffalo Bills are starting to be good again. Be good again. <laughs> to put that, it lightly. Okay. Well, be mediocre again because yeah. they've never even with the four Super Bowl losses in a row, not been great. Wide right. Wide right. But I mean you know, Bill's Mafia is We're not insane. Bill's Mafia is nowhere near like the 12s in Seattle. And the fact that we've been loud enough that we've created earthquakes. Evidently, though, that Taylor Swift freaking yeah, broke two, the Marshawn Lynch sound barrier record. 2.3 magnitude, th- 2.3 magnitude earthquake from the Taylor Swift concert. And I think we were only like very low. T- we were ju- we weren't very far behind her on. She didn't blow it out of the water, but she yeah. beat the Marshawn Lynch record for hashtag Marshawn Lynch, former Buffalo Bill. Blind yep. you. Um, but do your fans Buffalo came to Seattle? But but do your fans uh, break tables? <laughs> no. no. We're. I don't even. We have know other that. things to. I don't even know where it started. Like I just, some guy got thrown on, on one of those like fold out plastic tables and then people ran with it. And that's the new thing. And I'm like, why, what is, what is the, what is the point? And now people take those folding tables everywhere and like, just jump on them. (laughs) At the end of the day, the Buffalo bill fans have been through a lot. In the yeah. last 30 years. We really I have. I mean, <laughs> you have the Giants Super Bowl loss. You've got the Redskins Super Bowl loss. You've got Dallas Super Bowl loss number one. Dallas Super Bowl loss number two. Number two. Then a whole, whole long period of sucktitude that came after that. Mm-hmm. We did have some hope in the early 2000s and with Doug Flutie. Some. Some. But not, not a whole lot. No, no, no. We had slight hope, but that also fell short. And even with Josh Allen right now, it's like we have that little bit of hope again, but it always falls short. I think the thing with Josh Allen is a great court. I I feel that Josh Allen is a good enough quarterback that he could do great things for the Bills. Absolutely, yes. I don't think he has enough tools around him to get them over the hump per se right now. Just no. my own personal just my own personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I don't see enough Buffalo Bills football to know for 100% sure, but what I've seen, it just doesn't feel like he's got enough 
around him mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. If they put the tools around him, I think he could do great things for the city. Oh, absolutely. But at the end of the day, that franchise still feels to me like they might still be one step, maybe two steps behind the Buffalo Bills teams from the early 90s that lost to the Giants and the Redskins and the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys. And those, I mean, to go to four straight Super Bowls is freaking phenomenal. Right. The New, right. England, the New England Patriots didn't even do that. Mm-hmm. So hats off to them for that. But that's one of those things. I remember when my Seahawks won our first Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then we lost the year after to New England. Right. And I know how frustrating that felt. Mm-hmm. So you always have that. There's always next year. But we haven't been back since then. And that's been. It's been quite a few years. A lot of years. Yeah. So, wasn't that like 2011? I want to say. Something like we're pushing the 10 years because we had a lot of years of Russell before he left and went to Denver. And then now this will be his second year in Denver and we're on to bigger and better things. But I would say probably somewhere in that neighborhood of eight to 10 years, probably. And uh, 2014. I. That's so when they won nine to years. The Denver. Yeah, that was Denver Broncos. Yeah. So we lost in 2015. Yep. So it's been eight. So it's been eight years this year. Yeah. <clears throat> so this this coming Super Bowl will be nine years. Yes. So it's still a long. There's no telling if and when we're ever going back. And Buffalo can attest to this as well. I mean, they went through those four years of going, four years in a row, and you keep. Well, there's next year, and then you get blown out by the freaking Redskins, and oh, there's next year. Well, then you get blown out by the Cowboys. Next year, you have a little bit of hope that year against the Cowboys, but then ultimately you end up getting your ass kicked by the Cowboys again. And right. You guys haven't been back since then, and that was 94, I think, the last time. Yeah. Oh, God. So 28 years ago. A long freaking time. Yeah, 28 years because so, I was I was born right. in 90. Yeah. <laughs> It's been 32 years since their first Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. Uh, just throwing Started that out. Started off there. talking about InSync and Lance Bassin on the line. And oh, we've, we've, we're, we're just talking about the Buffalo Bills now. and long, long Super Bowl. Hey, at the end of the day, we'll wrap up the Super Bowl tangent with the fact that. You guys, it may have been what 30 some odd years since you guys have gone. The yeah. Cowboys are not very far behind you on that streak right now, too. So, True. True. their last time they went was 1996. So, 26 years ago, they're on almost you guys are on 28 years, they're on 26. So, yeah, they're nipping at your heels as well. Yeah, so hopefully, you guys can just find a way to make it in, and hopefully, we get back this go year. and lose. You'll. You can end that drought, and they'll start keep building up the years. Maybe they'll even pass you. Because we do not right. want the Dallas Cowboy back in the Super Bowl. Fuck the Dallas Cowboys. Fuck Jerry Jones. They Fuck suck. Cowboy Nation. Um, 
the following statement was provided solely by Casey. Please do not allow it to subject your feelings to an evening at the movies and how great <laughs> this podcast is because we, we appreciate all people's listenings. And um, I understand the fact that Cowboy Nation is very big and oh, we God, do not yeah. want to alienate Cowboy fans, but fuck, fuck you, Cowboy fans. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> What's all that said? Back on track. Um, yes. Let's go ahead and, as with the movie as a whole, mm-hmm. if you were to rate this movie out of five stars, what would you rate the movie? I I would give it a three because it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good either. I just think if they had more time and you know put a little more thought into the movie as a whole like give it a little bit more spice that it could just it, it could be that it could it could have been a five star movie yeah i think at the day if um the movie wasn't so rushed and a couple of different choices made for certain things i think the mm-hmm. movie definitely could warrant a little bit better of a score and I'm going to go ahead and I will second year three out of five just mm-hmm. for the pure fact that um, the movie has potential. I will say it, that it absolutely does. And that's definitely a, a lot more than I thought when you said you picked this movie and then I went to go try and find it and I could not find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to find. So my my first thought was, oh my God, she picked the hot garbage for a fucking movie. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's hot garbage. Maybe, <laughs> maybe luke lukewarm room yeah. temperature garbage, maybe. Uh, dumpster fire. The dumpster fire is too close to hot garbage. Oh, so okay. we'll we'll go we'll go we'll go with room we'll go with room temperature garbage or lukewarm so, shit. So uh, yes, lukewarm lukewarm shit. shit. Good book. <laughs> you can't put garbage and shit in the same perspective. No. So, um, but yeah, definitely there is potential for this movie. I think this movie screams loudly for the fact that it's been twenty years. Remake this movie. And make better choices. Yes. This is a this is an aspect of remaking that I would mm-hmm. totally get behind. I am not a general fan of remakes at all. We've discussed this on past episodes of an evening at the movies. Right. Remakes hot garbage. Back to hot garbage. Remakes <laughs> very much hot garbage. Yes. Halloween remake hot garbage. Nightmare on Elm Street remake hot garbage. Terrible. But um. Yeah, this movie screams that get a movie studio <coughs> that wants a stupid ass fucking writer strike and and yeah, that's the biggest thing. The actor strike is over. Get some people on the right page, make some good choices, make better choices for casting. Mm-hmm. Don't rush the process. Let it happen not necessarily organically and just Free flow, let it 
I mean, don't give them a year and a half to get the filming done. No, no I, I would say six to eight months tops for filming. I, I will go six months, six to eight months from beginning of casting to end of filming. Uh, okay. I think, I think that's a good rough. It, it gives you a little bit of time to find the right people. Right. And then it still gives you more than six weeks time to film the movie. Right. And so then you're, you're, you're going to have a better opportunity to get quality performances out of mm-hmm. your people. Because at the end of the day, this was not a poorly written script. No. It was just in certain aspects poorly executed. Yeah. Cause I think just based off of what I read, they started casting in January or they started casting in February. So that means it was like rushed writing like December, January cast in February started mid March Mar- and done in April. Yeah. And then you had, like we said, post-production and promotion and yeah, bam, the movie's already out. So collectively you know, that, it was 10 months that, from start to end. And we all know that when you're in a big position like that, mm-hmm. you know, 10 months can go by in the blink of a fucking eye. Oh, absolutely. And before you know it, it's like, oh shit, what the hell have we been doing for the last almost year? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So yeah, uh, what- I will say the post-production is outside of that six to eight months that you would do right yeah yeah okay yeah well i think if you i think if you put it into the six to eight months then i think now you're back in that same window yeah yeah you're back to the whole (laughs) you're giving the shooting of the movie six weeks and yeah i don't think that's going to do anybody any justice for doing turning in a quality performance so collectively if they were to remake it I, I, for everything. I would give the whole. Let's just let's, if they were to redo the, give it a year. I would say a year and a half. Yeah, a year to a year and a half. I think that way you're not rushing things. You have, if you get a good director with a good head on their shoulders, he can work with the actors, get the performances out of them mm-hmm. that they need to to make the story believable. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, in this day and age. There is a lot of young, untapped talent in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely. You, you do not, by any stretch of the imagination, have to go out and put, you know, big name actors. I mean, big name musicians, really. Actors, musicians, whatever, in the movie, and have to have it succeed. You can take the right director who can find the right actors and get the performances out of them. And, oh, look at that now. You just discovered a new hot piece of talent. Right. What's wrong with that? At the end of the day, you know, the people who 15 years ago would have fit perfectly into this role have aged out of it, so you need to find new talent to fill into those shoes. Right. Otherwise, this whole genre of movie production is gone by the wayside. Yeah. So... I will say for my own personal liking, um, if you enjoy rom-com late from the late 20th century, early 21st century, then I might recommend that you might enjoy the movie. 
and I'm kind of sort of playing loose with the whole maybe aspect of it. Yeah. Because because of things that we've talked about. Um, so if kind of quirky rom-com-ish type stories are your thing, go spend the $3.99 on Amazon and watch it. <laughs> if not, if it's not, I really recommend probably don't waste your three ninety nine because there's probably other movies out there at the end of the day that you're going to enjoy better. Yeah. Truthfully, no disrespect to Lance, Joey, Emmanuel, anybody else in the movie. You know, it just the movie was doomed to fail by a whole list of cir- unfortunate circumstances and. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yes, we gave the movie a three out of five. Yeah, and a lot of that is because of the fact that there's nostalgia moments for both of us that grab onto our hearts, and we're running with. At least I feel that's what my three out of five is coming. From. Yeah, no, I, I would sure absolutely have to agree. Yeah. So, um. So if you like the nostalgia aspects of movies, go check it out. If that isn't your cup of tea, probably don't waste the money on it because you're probably going to be disappointed at the end of the day. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So with all that said, I think that basically covers on the line. Yeah. Um, As always, I want to thank the listeners, each and every one of you guys for being here. The dozens are amazing. Amazing, and you guys are the reason why myself and Amanda and Shanna now and even Jen, when she comes on sporadically, like to do these episodes for you guys. And we try and bring in guests, Ashley included, Dre, Harvey, all the people that have come on the show, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You know, we try and bring you guys entertaining guests that you guys are going to love listening to. So I think at the end of the day, you guys are going to love this episode. Ashley, it was very much fun to have you on the show. I want you to come back again very soon. Want to come back. (laughs) Definitely. Next time recommend a movie that's not hot garbage. (laughs) I did give you a second choice. So, Maybe, maybe, maybe we can do my second choice movie next time. I don't remember what your second choice was. Oh, where the heart is. The one with Natalie Portman and the Walmart baby. Yep. I love that movie. And spoiler alert, my favorite part of the movie is at the end of the movie when there's a moment at I'm not going to spoil completely spoil it, but you know, know which what moment talking I'm talking about. about. They, exactly, yep. they're having the moment at the at, at the thing, and yep. the last thing you hear in the movie is they're playing the freaking Martina McBride song. Very yep. nice song, by the way. I love that song. But yep. over that song, you hear in the background, "Attention, Walmart shoppers." Yep. <laughs> because what's happening is happening at the Walmart. Yep. So it's, hashtag. Oh, we we will definitely have to do that because again, Natalie Portman. Woohoo. Oh, but, love that um, love that movie. 
definitely an awesome movie. And before we get out of here, though, I do want to give you a chance because I didn't do it in the beginning. Oh, no worries. Um, 30, flirty, not thriving, reimagined. Yes. Um, the floor is yours. You know, shamelessly plug your what you've got going on on yeah. the show. Anything you've got coming up that um, you would possibly like to put some of our listeners for to come over and listen and participate on your show? Yeah, 30 Flirty and Not Thriving Reimagined. Uh, it's just me, myself, and uh, I. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can find uh, me on Facebook, uh, TikTok, Instagram. Um, I um, Right now, I am looking for any guests that would like to be a part of my show. Um, but we talk mostly about, yes, Casey, you definitely have to be on. Um, but like we talk mostly about like how I'm 30 and I am definitely not thriving. And... Uh, we get dirty and yeah, we talk relationships, pop culture, I've, everything. I've been on 30 Flirty and not thriving, not the reimagined, or not the re, yeah, not the reimagined version, but I was yep, on just the, the original OG version of, and that was fun enough to begin with. <laughs> I would love to be on the reimagined version, yeah. So, whenever definitely. you are ready to have me, I am definitely willing to come on. I know good and hell well that my other hosts on the show as well, being oh, yeah. and Shanna. I got to get going. Love you uh, enough Sh that they would love to be on 3032. Yeah, Even though was... none of none of us are 30. Yeah, but no. we can still be we can still be flirty and not thriving. But you have lived your 30s, so like it's helping me like understand my our... 30s. <laughs> um if and we I can help you navigate your 30s that's what yeah. we are here for um shanna actually was in my episode two where we talked relationships and how her and i are in the dating world and how disgusting it is and how many dick pics i receive on a daily basis <laughs> wow i have started an album in my phone and i save every dick pic i receive <laughs> and i compare and contrast <laughs> Wow. For for a future episode. <laughs> oh, just a small sample of what you'll get if you tune in to listen to 30 Flirty and Not Thriving. Reimagined. Oh, it's a lot Don't worse. Don't <laughs> have to throw in the reimagined because 30 Flirty and Not Thriving Reimagined is definitely not the same show that the OG was. Mm, not nope. that either show version of the show is bad. I will be nice and shamelessly plug both. Mm -hmm. I enjoy listening to both shows. I enjoyed being on the original version. Yeah. I look forward to being on the new version. Yes, and I can't wait I to have forward, you. <laughs> I look forward to lots of collaborations between yourself and an evening at the movies and mm -hmm. myself and 30 Flirty and Not Thriving Reimagined. Um. Now we get to the fun part of well, Amanda's favorite part of my show. <laughs> Coming up on an evening at the movies, and the only reason why I'm doing this is because we just now today finalized a lot of our schedule for the next couple months. Mm. So, haha, -ha, 
Buckle up, people, because here it comes. I'm fixing to give you the whole next two months worth of freaking an evening at the movies, all in about three minutes. So um, we've got the last two rounds of the Robin Williams Memorial Tournament coming up as well. Um, the final four matchups will be revealed last weekend by the time this airs last weekend. And the championship will be announced on August 11th. Um, also just released as in two days ago. No. I'm, okay. Just released. We have Dre's episode of An Evening at the Movies where for his birthday we discussed don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. We recorded that one this morning. That was a fun episode. I highly recommend people checking that out. Um, After that, we've got the never-ending story coming up. Uh, Chansey from Maniacal Music Musings will be on to discuss Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Uh, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion is coming up after that. Everybody's favorite, Love is Black and Men are the Prize host, Mr. Harvey Laguerre, Laguerre, will be here at the end of the month to discuss the Swedish horror movie, Midsummer. Fucked up movie. Fucked up movie. Be here for that. Kevin is supposed to also, Kevin Stoner is supposed to be here as Mm -hmm. well that night to discuss that movie. I'm looking forward to that. That should be an interesting discussion. That gets us through August. Coming up in September, though, we have me and Amanda and probably Shanna as well will be venturing into Stephen King movies in chronological order. And we will be looking at the original Carrie, the original Salem's Lot, the original Shining, which for that episode, we will be having um, the host of the former The Overlook, a Stephen King podcast. Mm-hmm. host tim arnold will be with us tim arnold is the connection where amanda and i met each other too so we're looking forward to that episode very much i highly recommend tuning into that episode uh as well as creep show and and cujo we'll follow all that up with halloween horror fest 2023 in october november 1st amanda and shanna and i will be discussing gross point blank and that will air on november 1st Ha! All of that said, we've got a lot coming up in the next few months, as well as some surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, we are aiming for and working towards hitting our 200th episode on our, our third anniversary, which is February 10th. And right now, it looks like we're about three episodes short, so you're probably getting in the next several months going to get three surprises from us. So definitely stay tuned on social media and be updated as to where but you can find all of our stuff every wednesday and sometimes other days as well so mm-hmm. wherever you get your podcast listening fix the easiest thing to do is just follow us and turn on the little notification bell if you listen on spotify because then you get notifications when new episodes drop so not that we don't want you to be involved on social media please follow us on social media all over the place because then it's definitely a lot more fun and you can interact with us and other people in 
the groups as well, as well as other people in the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network, which is membered by Masturbators, Love is Black, Men of the Prize, Sip List, Crime Rewind, Literature Reapers, and also An Evening at the Movies as well. And really quick before I go, I know we've run way longer than usual. I appreciate everybody's patience with this. <laughs> but um, we are doing something new in the I Did Not Make You Ranking Podcast Network. And uh, um, big announcement, the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network, which includes, like I just said, Masturbators, The Sip List, An Evening at the Movies, Crushgasm, Men are the Prize, Love is Black, Literature Reapers, and Crime Rewind will be giving away one free year of Peacock streaming services to a one lucky person. On August 8th, please check out our live show to learn how you can win or check out uh, Masturbators on August 11th to learn more. We don't have all the details ironed out yet, but we're throwing it out there so everybody knows. Big things are coming, and we're starting to try and attract a bigger fan base. So definitely, we will be, we promise to be giving away one year of streaming of Peacock for one lucky listener. So tune in on the birthday episode and then again when it drops on August 11th and find out exactly how, what you have to do to potentially win that one year of free Peacock. Because you can do a lot of streaming on Peacock. There's a lot of shit that they offer. So, Mm -hmm. again, thank you, Ashley, for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have an amazing weekend, and I hope all the listeners come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good night, guys. Let's